Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, back to Overtime with Sterling Bennett, Alan Stiles, and Mark Grandy on 95.7 The Game. Welcome back. Overtime continues here on 95.7 The Game. It's Mark Grandy and Evan Giddings with you today in for Sterling and Allen. The 49ers fall to the Cleveland Browns today on the road in Cleveland, 19-17. to And as we've been discussing for the last hour and a half, plenty of blame to go around for the 49ers. Brock Purdy, arguably, very arguably, his, uh, his worst game, his worst day as a professional, 12 for 27, 125. One touchdown, one interception. First interception. First interception of the season. First interception, regular or postseason, since week 16 against the Las Vegas Raiders of last regular season. That was, I believe that was New Year's Day, or was it New Year's Eve? One of the two. I can't remember if it was New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. Somewhere around 2023. It was right right when the calendar turned, either just before or just after. Gregorian. I think it was New Year's Day. We'll have to go and double check. But first interception in a really long time for Brock Purdy. Christian McCaffrey, only 43 yards on the ground, did have a touchdown that was technically through the air, although it was more like a run than a catch. Uh, And the defense, while they were good, they forced two uh, interceptions, two turnovers. Both were interceptions. They set up the 49ers' offense uh, with goal to go after an interception in the fourth quarter. The only reason the Niners scored points in the second half They lost to a third-string quarterback, P.J. Walker, getting his first action of the season. He wasn't good by any stretch. 18 for 34, 192, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. So offensively, defensively, you could poke holes in both. And then the special teams, Jake Moody missed two kicks, including what would have been the game winner from 41 yards out. And to our last caller, I think it was Joe in San Jose, Uh, wanting us to talk about Jake Moody and blaming this game on Jake Moody. Certainly, he deserves at least a share of the blame. That, though, is not who Fred Warner, speaking after the game, is blaming this loss on. He's a young player, man. He's a a rookie, and uh, he's going to have so many other opportunities to to help us win games. Like I said, I would never put that on him to say that, that we lost this game because of him. I say I always look to myself first to see what I could have did better and defensively as a group. When we give up over 300 yards offense, like I said, that's hard to win in this league. Yeah, Fred's right. Well, I would 
kind of rebuke that. I mean, 34 rushes, 160 yards on the ground, almost five a pop for the Browns. Uh, in a game where you are not fearing their passing attack, the Browns got chunk after chunk after chunk on the ground. I was surprised they were able to move the ball on the ground as well as they did today. No, I, I agree. The, the run defense was not very good today. But giving up over 300 yards, they, they've done that twice this season. I mean, they did it to the Rams, which was a relatively uh, the closest game up until today. They also did it against the Cardinals. I think the standards are a little different for this game because it is a third-string quarterback in P.J. Walker. It is, but also if you're looking at, I mean, Josh Dobbs, Stafford is understandable. Look, all I'm saying is that I don't think the defense performed as poorly as the presidential Fred Warner is trying to make it out to be to deflect blame from where it should go, which is to the offense as he should along do, with as the head coach. Captain yeah, well. absolutely. And also, also to be fair, Fred Warner didn't play that bad today. I mean, he, he, had, a, he had a pretty good game. Almost so had a pick six. Especially in the first half, he was very good. But... I, I do think that this game highlights a couple of off-season decisions that, again, played itself out in one loss. So who knows if they're going to continue, but they are notes that I'm taking and receipts that I'll have if they do continue, which is, one, there was not a large monetary investment in the offensive line this offseason. In fact, you let one go to Denver, which is looking like a decent move because I don't think McGlinchey has played that well. Uh, granted, it's not with a very good offense, but in Jake uh, Colton McKibbitt's part of me has been pretty good up front for the most part, but today your offensive line got whipped, so that's one. And the second is the decision to trade up to draft Jake Moody is certainly one thing, but to me I would rather focus on the non-decision to bring back Robbie Gold. And if Robbie Gold is be it past his, his prime and was believed to be by the 49ers towards the end, and is not a, an adequate kicker, that's one thing. I don't believe that to be the truth, even though he's still technically waiting for a job. But one of the reasons why we heard that he was not going to be brought back was because it would be too much of a financial investment to make at that position. Well, the 49ers freed up $40 million in cap space at the beginning of the season. They also gave big money to Javon Hargrave, which is paid dividends. I thought he played pretty well today. And they also, of course, used it to extend Nick Bosa. So... To me, rather than focusing on the kid and, and Jake Moody, who's going to be the dog for this game because he missed the last kick to potentially win it, I do wonder why there was a lack of urgency to re-sign a kicker that has not missed in the postseason when apparently you did have the money to go do it. So I think those two off-season decisions, to me, kind of played out today and were a reason why they lost. It, it was kind of sold. It seemed like from the comments John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan made, it, it was sold as a financial decision. You're right. It was an area and a way for the 49ers to save some money. And, and I think maybe what makes this a little more difficult is the draft happens all the way back in April and you don't have the ability to restructure all these contracts. Like Things have to take place in a certain order and you have to make a decision whether or not you want to draft this guy well before you have the ability to then free up roster space later on so maybe that played into it and the Niners maybe also had a well if if Jake Moody is available at x pick you know what we're gonna take him there no matter what but maybe he doesn't fall to them at that point uh they don't find a a partner to trade up with to take him and then at that point they say you know what Okay, we wanted him. We feel like he's the best guy. He's worth it. But if we don't get him, you know, we'll bite the bullet and we'll give Robbie the money. I don't think it's as black and white as 
as maybe a lot of people are making it out to be. But I agree with you, and we said it off the very top, both for the offensive line, which is a good point, not only monetarily, they didn't draft a single offensive lineman this year either, but also for the kicker, if this doesn't work out, I am. you can talk about the players, you can blame the players, but Kyle Shannon and John Lynch would deserve the lion's share of the blame for those positions failing because it was clearly an area to address. And again, with the draft of Moody, you address it, but if it doesn't work out and the offensive line doesn't work out, which you did not address at all, that's going to come back to bite them. If it does not perform well, if it does not work out, they're going to face a lot of criticism for those two decisions. Oh, and that's why if if I had to place a large amount of blame on anyone for this game, if you're kind of cutting the pie of who to throw blame at for a loss... Who gets the biggest slice? Kyle Shanahan. I think I agree. And I think that they also show, we're talking about money, like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch got large extensions before the season. It was reported three weeks in or whatever it was, or two weeks in, but they got a big contract and... So if I'm going to place blame at someone's doorstep, it's going to be the guy that's responsible for most of those decisions. And I don't think Shanahan, along with Lynch, did enough to this offensive line. That showed up today. Will it continue in the future? Who, who knows? Because I think Kyle Shanahan has also done a really good job and why I gave him a lot of credit, or will give him a lot of credit, for the first five weeks of hiding the fact that they didn't invest both either in the draft or in free agency into the offensive line. I think he did a really good job at hiding some of those mistakes or or you know non actions and I think that Brock Purdy he maximized his potential in the first five weeks but today for the reasons that had to do with the weather that had to do with injuries with had to do with crappy officiating with had to do with maybe the fact the Browns were coming off you know with a rest advantage after the bye the 49ers had an emotional win this did feel like a trap game to some all of those factors combined led to a two point loss so if we're going to blame someone for a loss I think it's got to be Kyle Shanahan because we've also applauded him along with all the pieces that he has maximized thus far the first five weeks. Yeah, I agree. Well said. I'm curious what you all think. Give us a call. Again, not at the normal number, a unique number here today for overtime on 95.7 The Game. If you want to weigh in on the air, dial 415-986-4186. Again, 415-986-4186. We're playing the blame game for just a moment here on Overtime on 95.7 The Game. It's Grandy and Evan with you. Who do you think deserves most of the blame for this 19-17 to loss for the Cleveland Browns, or for the Niners against the Cleveland Browns? Both Evan and I agree, at least for today, it should be Kyle Shanahan. Up next is Mitch in New Jersey. Mitch, who do you feel deserves most of the blame for today's Niners loss? How's it going, guys? What's well, up, Mitch? That kick and make the kick. We'll be talking, uh, we will be sugarcoating the uh, offense played there. I kind of blame, uh, Purdy. Just like Caleb Williams had the worst game of his career, especially USC, and especially if he wins the Heisman, um, I gotta say Purdy. I mean, it was his first bad game. If he has a lot of these, then we'd be asking for Sam Donald to this guy because he's got so many weapons. And the defensive line was great. He played pretty good. I was hoping they not, you know, I knocked him out physically, but I wanted to see DTR. I thought the the 49ers defense, the front seven, would take care of business, but I didn't realize that Cleveland had such a great defense, and um, they just played played a little better. Yeah, yeah, Mitch. I mean, Cleveland, their defense is legit, legit. I mean, they come from... uh... 
the AFC North, and that is, or the yeah, the the AFC North, and that is an incredible. I mean, it's the Steelers, it's the Bengals, it's the Ravens, and it's the Browns. You're not getting out of that. You're not competitive in that division without an elite defense, and Cleveland certainly has that. Miles Garrett is one of the best defenders in the league, and they have gotten better at other levels of their defense as well. Uh, they're three and two, and they've had relatively bad quarterback play even when it's been Deshaun Watson and now in two of their five games they haven't had Deshaun Watson they've turned it over to a late round rookie in DTR and now what an XFL star in PJ Walker and they're three and two that's how good this defense is so Mitch I I get the blame for Brock Purdy he was clearly nowhere near how good he normally is and he missed a handful of throws we talked earlier the throw to Christian McCaffrey which probably would have went for a long touchdown if he puts it on him he overthrew him there were a number of other misses but there was just so much else that went wrong I don't feel comfortable putting the majority of the blame on Brock Purdy this was team-wide, really, on, on all aspects for the 49ers. And that's how this works when you're nearly a 10-point favorite. Vegas thinks you're going to win by two scores and you lose. Usually, it's not going to be just one guy that sinks you. Well, I, I do hear Mitch. I mean, Brock Purdy had a chance to to kind of pull the 49ers out. But I think that's a tough spot for a guy that's as young as he is, that is as relatively inexperienced as he is. But if behind Kyle Shanahan, if we're talking about placing the blame... I think Brock Purdy is is up there because he had his worst football game as a professional. Now, I don't think he's going to have very many more of those because he's not going to face a defense like the Cleveland Browns every single week on the road, in the rain, with injuries to his two all-pros. Like I don't think those things are going to happen all that often to kind of extract that out of Brock Purdy. But that's why I also mentioned in the last segment, Mark, the fact that I do think this is a valuable game for Brock Purdy. I don't think it's valuable for the 49ers because they lost. And if the Philadelphia Eagles win later on today, then the 49ers are looking up at them as the team they have to catch for home field advantage in the playoffs. But for Brock Purdy, we this is the first time we've seen him fail. This is the first time we've seen him be tied directly to the correlation of the result of a football game that involved the 49ers losing. And so this is something that we have not seen before from Brock Purdy. I'm not saying it's time to pick up the stones and throw them at the kid, but I am very interested to see how he bounces back on national television, mind you, next week against the Minnesota Vikings, also on the road. Because I don't think the Vikings are as good, and I think that Brock Purdy is the type of player, to me, is the type of human that exudes a resiliency that this game he's going to be able to flush with relative ease, kind of like how Fred Warner was talking about how, look, we're just going to wipe this slate clean. Kyle Shanahan, there's some things obviously we have to correct, but it's a week-in and week-out approach from the 49ers that allowed them to shellack the Dallas Cowboys in a game that meant more to the Cowboys and then come on the road and lay an egg. I mean, for the most part, offensively, they were not very good today, and Brock Purdy was at the center of it. I want to go back to the phones here in just a minute. Robin and Joe, I see you. My question then is, do we feel like this conversation around Brock Purdy now when we're talking about the blame for this game, is this in a vacuum just for this game, or is this argued through the prism of the incredibly high expectations we had for him and the conversations that were surrounding him through five weeks. I mean, this was legitimately the MVP front runner. Whether you you, you hate talking about that, you, you think it's a, a made-up thing, no. He was legitimately, th- no, it's, it's early, but through five weeks, 
odds on the favorite to win MVP. Is is this conversation around Brock Purdy changed? Does it change? Is it impacted based on what we saw from him through five weeks? Were we discussing him in an unfair light? Is it too early to tell? Or just simply put this game in this game alone, he was bad. I would put this game in this game alone. And look, this is a Cleveland Browns defense that was very good today, but has made good quarterbacks look terrible. Week (laughs) one, Joe Burrow at home, I believe, was 14 of 31 for 82 yards against this defense. (laughs) Brock Purdy had a better day than that. That doesn't mean it was good. Like, you can call call a spade a spade. Like, Brock Purdy was not good today. Joe Burrow was also not good in week one when they got absolutely ran out of the building and they scored three points. So I'm reserving judgment You know, if we're talking about the totality of Brock Purdy, but that also doesn't mean I can't say he was bad today. Yeah, I agree. But to be fair, though, on that final drive, he did put them in a position to win. But I would be talking the same way about him if they had won the game as if they had lost. Like, I don't think Brock Purdy was particularly good, but he gave his team a chance to win at the end, which is all you can control at that point in the football game. I agree with you. We've had a few callers who have said, oh, if Moody just makes that field goal, we'd be talking about, oh, they escaped with the We'd still be talking, Brock Purdy, you were bad today. 14 for 27 and a pick. It was ugly. Is not good. How many, I mean, there were a number of throws he he would throw behind Debo Samuel or Ayuk. Debo Samuel missed a lot of the game behind Ayuk. There was one too far wide and high and wide to the right. Uh, Jawan Jennings, a couple that were wayward to him. This was not a very good Brock Purdy game, and you're right. He got them in position to win the game down the stretch, but win or loss, I'm with you. Uh, Brock Purdy played the worst game of his career. Now, it's not the end of the world. It's nowhere near that. I'm very interested to see how he and the team bounces back from this. Another high-profile game, Monday Night Football, not the best opponent, but a Monday Night Football game when the lights are bright. I'm interested to see how he plays there and how he responds uh, but let's go back to the phones and see what the people think. Robin in San Francisco is up next. Robin, you're on overtime with Grandy and Evan. If you're playing the, the blame game, Robin, who are you giving most of the blame to today for this well, Niners loss? Well, I think I've talked to you guys enough that you should know that I really hate the blame game. I don't think you ever hear me come on here. And bl- I do. I hate it. I hate it because you know why I hate it, guys? I'm not, and this is not a. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, Robin, but just like the Cleveland Browns, we're dragging you into the mud with us today. <laughs> so that you, it's not dragging. I, it's, it's, I, I, usually I'm talking from a space of the fans and the national media. Not too much my local media because I will call you guys out by name when I do. I think you've talked to me enough to know that. But here's the deal. I mean, they love you when you're winning. Are you great? You all this and that. Let this dude play one full football season before you go crowning him Joe Montana and having these debates about MVP. I get it's all for hype and everything, but it just irks the heck out of me, guys. He had a bad game today. Sure did have a bad game. That O-line had a bad game, too. And so what more important to me is, and you guys, I agree with everybody's point of view to call in, because it's it's all about perspective. But it's also about, you know, a lot of the things that you guys have said, the, the, the facts. And I worry about the trenches. I worry about the Niners in the trenches. No quarterback as good as his O-line. Even Patrick Mahomes the year or the season before last when they didn't make uh, the Super Bowl, whatever, that O-line didn't do well, and he was running for his life. 
They fixed it the following year, and they won the damn Super Bowl, okay? So I get worried about the Niners in the trenches. It was only, what, the fifth, sixth game. But that is where my concern is. Brock Purdy faced the defense today that had to, that had, that rushed him, that was in his face, because the O-line was getting their butts kicked in the trenches. That's all I got to say, you guys. Bye. Yeah, Robin, good call. I mean, you're very, very accurate in talking about the trenches. The Niners were not good. Now, defensive line was not bad. They were in P.J. Walker's face all game long. But you're talking about the Niners' offensive line against the Browns' defensive line. That was won time and time and time again by Cleveland. So you're right, Robin. Uh, I would argue that we can talk about Brock Purdy and his struggles today, and it doesn't have to be a referendum on his on him as a player. And I think we've been very fair in how we've discussed Brock Purdy. Uh, he, whether you believe in him, whether you think he's a future MVP, whether you think he's just a guy, he's the Niners' quarterback for the foreseeable future. And today, he did not have a very good game. If he had a better game. The Niners win today. It's relatively simple. Now, he's not the only player that did not play up to their standard today. I would not put him number one on my totem pole for who to blame. But his play, his relative struggles, certainly played a factor. And I think Robin hit on something that I just asked you. I think we're a little bit clouded because of where this conversation around Brock Purdy has gone. Just last week on this very show, it was Sterling in for you, Evan, and Sterling and I were having this conversation after the Niners absolutely demolished the Cowboys 42-10, to and Sterling wanted me to, to say it, Brock Purdy is elite, one of the three best quarterbacks in the league. I felt a little uncomfortable doing that. I couldn't really explain why. I, I I don't know. It, because you don't believe it. It's okay. It's not a large enough sample <laughs> size. Say what, it. Whatever it is. I didn't exactly want to say it at that point. Now, I'm not victory lapping anything. It's just one game. I could pick out Tom Brady's 12th career start, whatever number this is, 14, whatever it is. It might, might have been very bad. Joe Montana in his second year as a starting quarterback, probably I could pick out a game that would be really bad as well. It's just the nature of the beast when you are a quarterback in this league. But Evan, all I'm saying, and I think you agree, and I think most Niner fans agree, he wasn't very good today. If he was better, the Niners win. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not believing in him moving forward, but the facts are the facts. He wasn't very good today. Well, and, and I think the most important most important part of it is because we've seen him be great. So, you know so when, now what the ceiling is well, or what it, what it could be. Today was the first game, and granted, it came against the number one defense in football by just about every single metric. But this was the first time that I saw Brock Purdy let the literal but also proverbial pressure get to him. We saw him miss some throws under pressure that we've seen him make. For example, against the New York Giants, when they blitzed the hell out of him, like in 90% of the time, he was amazing. He diced them up. And the, the, the talent between the Giants and, and the Browns is a chasm. But the point is, we've seen Brock Purdy under duress when there is pressure deliver the football on time to where it needs to go. He did not do that for the majority of the game with any consistency. And so when I say that he was bad, it's because we've seen him be great, and we've seen him be consistently great. I don't know if I think Brock Purdy's a better quarterback than you do. To be frank, it doesn't quite matter to me. Mm -hmm. But I think that today was not an exposing of either the 49ers offense or Brock Purdy, but it's simply a reminder of what can happen when the totality of problems that that the 49ers had to overcome 
with the weather, the injuries, the, the missed kicking game, the defense not being up to par, the offensive line being crappy, the running game being not very good. All of those things combined contributed to Brock Purdy being put in a position where he had to, more so than at any other point in his career, put the team on his back. And I don't think that he, along with maybe even the other top three quarterbacks you may or may not have in front of him, could do it because, like I just said, Joe Burrow couldn't do it. We saw Kenny Pickett complete 50% of his passes against this defense. Ryan Tannehill looked like a bum against the Cleveland Browns. Like They have made a lot of quarterbacks that are both good and bad look Awful. So I don't think this is you know just a game where you say Brock Purdy's this, Brock Purdy's that. It's another game for him to learn from, and that's why I'm excited about what he's going to do next, bouncing back from this. Perhaps this game, though, does highlight, and I've seen a couple of texts come in about this, perhaps this game does reinforce and highlight just how important Christian McCaffrey is. The offense wasn't great with him in it, but it certainly was better with him there, markedly better, specifically in the first half, than they were without Christian McCaffrey. We can get into that. Also, a lot more sound to get to. Shanahan Bosa, Warner, Trent Williams, and Brock Purdy talked. We'll hear from the quarterback. We'll hear it from the horse's mouth himself. Brock Purdy on the other side as overtime continues. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. It's Grandy and Evan. One more segment left here on Overtime on 95.7 The Game. Now, back to Overtime with Sterling Bennett, Alan Stiles, and Mark Grandy on 95.7 The Game. 
Welcome back. Overtime continues. 30 minutes left here on Overtime on 95.7. The game, Mark Randy and Evan Giddings with you. No Sterling and no Allen today. The 49ers fall on the road against the Browns. 19-17 to was the final score. That highlight you just heard, Kevin Burkhart on Fox. Brock Purdy's first interception this season. The sky is falling. <laughs> it, huh? It's not. It's a big deal. First <laughs> interception. That is what, for him. His- Second turnover of the season, had a strip sack fumble that he lost week one. Uh, kind of a weird play today. He fumbled, kind of a phantom fumble. There was no one around him, just the ball squirted free from his hand as he was about to throw it. It was wet, and it was in the first half. It was an awkward game all the way around. Absolutely no rhythm for the 49ers offense, aside from that very first drive. They've been incredible on first drives now. Six games, a touchdown to begin games Five times, a field goal the other time on those six drives, 38 points to open up games. They've been phenomenal there, but it did not continue the rest of the way. And for Brock Purdy specifically, here he is post-game talking about his performance. Man, like it's the NFL. You you get opportunities. You got to take advantage of them. And so there was definitely some throws and opportunities that I feel like that were there for me, and I missed on them. And that, you know, made us – be behind the sticks, and then you have to get a third down, which is tough on the road here, man, and that's something that i got to learn from, man. So definitely going to be real about it, and we got we all got to you know look ourselves in the mirror and, and see the flaws and stuff and, and uh, get better from it, but it starts with me. So Starts with me. That's what you want your QB1 to say, though, right? Yeah, I don't know if it's ironic or just kind of funny to me, but when you, you look at the list of quarterbacks that Brock Purdy has faced, <laughs> and I expect him next week to bounce back and beat Kirk Cousins because prime they want it's a primetime game, and... Also, I just don't think he's that good. But he's beaten Tua Tagovailoa, Tom Brady, Geno Smith twice, Dal- uh, Dak Prescott twice, mm-hmm. and he lost to P.J. Walker. Yeah, it, it's kind of like like when Tom Brady and the Patriots like their run. I think it was in what was it eighteen or nineteen? Like Brady's last season. Like the guy that ended the dynasty Ryan was Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, it's like, but again, that's the reminder of what can happen in the NFL if you do not show up and play your best football. The 49ers have been playing the best football of any team in the league, whether it's statistically, whether you just want to use the eye test. They were the most dominant team in football the first five weeks of the season, and for a multitude of reasons. They did not show all the way up to Cleveland this morning, and that's why they lost this football game. I think Kyle Shanahan, for me, is the head of the snake. If you want to play the blame game, Brock Purdy was not very good. The defense could have been better. The offensive line got eviscerated by an amazing defensive line. And I think if you're taking anything away from this game in a large picture, to me it is the 49ers are not they're they're not the what the 1984 49ers that just breezed through the regular season. They're not going to be the 2007 Patriots that just waxed every team en route to a Super Bowl appearance, not losing until that point. Like this is a team that still has some growing to do, and to be honest, that's a good thing that they can still get better from this point out because I don't think even with the way that they were playing, that was a finished product. And so even if, if you're Shanahan, like there's a story about uh, Chuck Daly and the Dream Team. Like they had a scrimmage against co- the, the college, you know, all-stars or whatever. And Chuck Daly essentially threw the practice because he wanted his guys, the Dream Team that we know as maybe the greatest collection of basketball talent of all time, to know what it was like to feel to be beaten. The 49ers now know what it's like 
to not have their best foot to be beaten. Brock Purdy knows what it's like to miss receivers consistently, to throw an interception. He also knows what it's like to put your team in a position to win a football game when you have not played well. I think all of those things are valuable moving forward. Yeah, I agree with you. And I I think something that we haven't talked about yet here post-game, I know you did with Lorenzo Neal on the kickoff show, there was a bit of a scuffle pregame. And I think you guys reacted the same way I would. Don't poke the bear. If the Niners were potentially sleepwalking into an early kickoff, an Eastern time zone, a game where you're favored by nine and a half, ten points, depending on where you look, maybe you come in and you sleepwalk. Maybe you overlook a team playing their third-string quarterback, and maybe this is a potential trap game. But there was some jawing. Elijah Moore and Brandon Ayuk, and then Debo Samuel came over and gave Elijah Moore a shove. Elijah Moore shoved back, and then Trent Williams, running out of the tunnel, comes lumbering down the sideline and decks him. In my mind, I was like, all right, buckle up, Cleveland. They're going to kick their ass today. You just woke this team up. But the exact opposite happened. Well, it's also interesting that the two guys that were most involved in the the physical sense, Debo Samuel and Trent Williams, both got hurt today. Uh, so who knows how much impact specifically Debo Samuel might have been able to have on that game. I know Trent Williams, shortly after, there was a comment that leaked out of the locker room basically saying he, he's in a walking boot right now. He was playing hurt, but he didn't want Jalen Moore to have to go up against Miles Garrett because that's he's tough. saying that's a Hall of Famer on the other side. If there's going to be someone that loses that matchup, it's going to be me. So I appreciate Trent Williams for that, at least being able to stick through that pain. Uh, but but one thing also that I was thinking about, Mark, and I'm curious how you feel about it, because I know you are a big picture guy. I don't think there's enough of a sample size to extrapolate something for like Brock Purdy, but I do think that a lot of concerns we've heard both on the phones, text line, and throughout his tenure is Kyle Shanahan's play calling in tight situations, hmm. and we saw him on the second to last possession of the game not put the ball on the ground not look like the plays that were being called for Brock Purdy had any sort of semblance of consistency. And for those four drives in the second half when they had negative 12 yards, they could not put anything together. It was a tight game. It was the first tight game of the year in which they played from behind. And we saw Shanahan come up a little bit short. Now, again, he makes the field goal. We might not be having this conversation. I think we still would, but we might not be having it to this extent. Do you make anything of the play calling of Kyle Shanahan in another tight game that didn't go his way. I think there's something there. I think it was Laurie in Phoenix who called earlier today and said Shanahan has been spoiled, right? He has yeah. all these weapons, and it makes it very easy on him, and he's done a great job with those weapons. I mean, this offense has been nearly unstoppable for the first five weeks of the season. Today was an entirely different story. I think what we saw was the combination of all these factors that we've been talking about for the last two-plus hours – Great defense, on the road, early start time, rain, windy, it was wet, it was awkward, Um, and and then you had a couple of injuries. And I think Kyle Shanahan, I don't know if wasn't prepared, but how do you make up for the loss of Debo Samuel and then later Christian McCaffrey? Like, what can you do? You and I are are on here screaming about, you got to get something quick, quick hitting. Like, you you can't let Brock Purdy roll out and he's facing pressure and he's running for his life every time he drops back. Well, the guys that you want to get the ball to on those quick hitters, generally speaking, Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. So I get the concern and I understand it specifically because it has happened in the past. However, I would be much more concerned if the play calling was as frustrating as it was, difficult, awkward, 
not smooth, rough around the edges if Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey were out there, or at least one of them. But considering that your your top two, your your most versatile weapons that kind of are those game breakers in awkward, tough situations, considering those two guys weren't out there, I am not sound the alarms worried about this. But it, it is, I think, an issue and something that Kyle Shannon has to face where without those guys, it, it seemed like he was without an answer. I, I agree, but also... Most teams also don't have the kind of weapons that the 49ers have, and play callers still find ways to scheme guys open. I know it happening in in the middle of a game is much different than, say, if Shanahan had time to prepare for not having Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. I'm sure the results would have been a little bit different, I'd imagine, in the positive direction. But the thing for me is, and I could point to a couple plays, like backed up deep in your own territory after a holding call and a false start first in 25, everyone knows that you're not running the football, and yet it's a play-action rollout where Purdy's got no protection, and the defense just gets in his face immediately, and he's got to throw it away. Boom, you're behind the sticks. Later on, I think it was even the very first play of the final drive, which Purdy pulled out, in part because there was a third-down holding call against Cleveland. First ball's dialed up deep down the sideline to Brandon Ayuk, and I'm thinking... What, what, why Why are we taking a shot first play? Like, get something for Purdy that's quick or a run. You have time. You have a timeout. I, I, just, I, I'm, I was a little confused throughout the entire second half as to what Kyle Shanahan was trying to employ as a play caller. The one thing that I'll say, which I have appreciated about Brock Purdy, is I do think that he and Shanahan are complementary to each other. Like, I think one of the big reasons why this offense has been elevated to the point where it's scoring 30 points damn near every single game is because Brock Purdy can mask some of the deficiencies of Kyle Shanahan, and I think Kyle Shanahan, in turn, can help Brock Purdy not do the things that he probably is not best at. Today, Kyle Shanahan needed Brock Purdy to bail him out, and I don't think Brock Purdy is at the point yet in his career, nor should he be, quite honestly, against that type of defense and that type of environment to bail out his head coach. So I don't think Shanahan had his best day, and I don't think his quarterback in his 11th regular season start was in a position to just basically make something out of nothing. Yeah, and I I think that's kind of where this incredibly high standard we're suddenly holding him to comes into play. He's not a... He shouldn't be held to that standard just yet, despite the fact that he has gone 5-0, and and it's been incredible through five games, and he's the odds-on MVP favorite at this point. I think that's where those standards and, and the way that you're viewing him, the shades that you're viewing him through, come into play. Something that's important to note, you mentioned Trent Williams in the locker room in a walking boot right now. You mentioned he came back in the game. A couple of other injuries to key players that we're talking about. Debo Samuel, uh, shoulder x-rays negative on Debo Samuel. That's the latest that we heard. And then Christian McCaffrey and Oblique. Uh, we don't have an update beyond what Kyle Shanahan said post game, which is they don't know the severity of it just yet. But that's going to be obviously important for the 49ers as they try to rebound from this loss. Kyle Shanahan was asked after the game about losing a couple of his best players on offense. I mean, you always miss your good play. I mean, real good players. I mean, Dre's one of the better players in this league. Orange came in and done a real good job. I thought he had his best game last week. So I'll see when I get on the plane with the film, but definitely don't think that was the reason today. So that was about the defense. Dre Greenlaw and Oren Burks, who also, Dre was out before the game, and then Oren Burks was injured during the game. So they lost some players or were without some players on both sides of the ball. But I was just going to add that I think Dre Greenlaw's absence, which we haven't mentioned because it was prior to the game, 
was big, especially against the run. Dre Gurulon is a thumper. He's a guy that gets sideline to sideline better than maybe any middle linebacker in football outside of the guy who plays right next to him, Fred Warner. When I'm looking at 160 rushing yards on 34 carries for the Cleveland Browns, I do think a guy like Dre Greenlaw impacts that total. I agree. And his speed to get to the outside, I mean, how many times would, uh, whether it was Jerome Ford who had the better day offensively for the Cleveland Browns, you look at his numbers, he had 17 for 84, about five a pop, did not get in the end zone, had the, the run that set them up in field goal position to ultimately win the game in the fourth quarter. Kareem Hunt had a couple of big chunks as well, 12 for 47, also had uh, a touchdown there, did Kareem Hunt. His speed to get to the edge and cut off those backs from getting that corner and then turning up field, it's on display. And it's often why he's guilty of those late hits, those 15 Yeah, they might have had an extra couple penalties today, but that's okay. (laughs) Those 15-yard penalties because he oftentimes is the guy tasked with tracking down the ball carrier on the edge near the sideline because he has the speed to get to those guys. Now, sometimes, again, he'll get there a split second too late and it's called for a penalty. But without him, maybe you are avoiding a penalty or two. You're right. But what you're also losing is someone who is able to cut off that ball carrier before they can get upfield. So I'm with you. Uh, That loss, hugely important for the 49ers, and it definitely factored into this one. I mean, without the, the run game, if Dre Greenlaw was playing and was able to limit what Cleveland did offensively on the ground... Maybe this game would have looked a a little bit more like we were expecting. Cleveland struggling to get into double digits offensively because that was how they did nearly all of their damage offensively was on the ground, aside from a couple of deep ball shots to Amari Cooper, who's a legit wide receiver one in this league. Aside from that, it was all on the ground for Cleveland. And maybe Greenlaw being in the game and and being able to play four quarters is enough to, to turn that off just a little bit. So I'm with you. We're almost two hours in, more than two hours into overtime. We haven't mentioned him yet. We probably should have because that absence, I think, played a, a huge role in this one. Yeah, and look, he he might be a guy that can make a play here or there. I know uh, Flanagan Foles had, had a pretty decent game. Oren Burks was all right filling in, but there's no way you're going to replace that kind of production. And I do wonder also if you force the Browns into more pass-heavy situations. Like, I mean... P.J. Walker threw it 34 times, but of the 70 offensive plays, the majority of those were going on the ground. Looking up and down the stat sheet, I mean, the 49ers, got the, they got them off the field. They were 3 of 13 on third down. I know the Browns had the one fourth down conversion, but they only allowed Cleveland into the red zone twice, and they got one score out of it. So, you know, I think the defense overall did a decent job, but to me, with just how non-complimentary the offense was, particularly in the third quarter, it was going to be difficult for them to stop Cleveland from, you know, putting at least cracking through once or, or getting, you know, a couple of scores here and there just because of how often they were on the field. We do not see this 49ers team not possess the ball more than their opponents or lesser than their opponents quite often. And today it was Cleveland 33 to, to the 49ers 27. So they still had the ball a decent amount. I mean, just imagine if they don't have a couple of those three and outs, if they make something of those four drives out of the second half, this is a very different football game. And so the margin for error is so fine at this point. Um, I mean, to, to me, the, the 49ers had... I, I said it with low on the kickoff show. They had 17 different ways to win this football game. <laughs> and the Browns found the one way they could, especially... 
if they didn't win the turnover battle, which I think is the first time that's happened since 2020 for the Niners. <laughs> what was it? Uh, Doctor Strange in Avengers Endgame? There's, there's one one way. There's one reality. But he it, can't tell you, otherwise it's not going to happen. <laughs> one reality in which uh, they defeat Thanos. Uh, and and in, in this case, the Cleveland Browns You know who did the play the role of Doctor Strange, uh, Doctor Strange today? Who? Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz. I mean, looking at him on the sideline, the guy was <laughs> grinning ear to ear. He's kind of got the slick comb over, cleanly shaven, and he's just sitting there, arms crossed, looking across at Kyle Shanahan saying, dude, I got your number. He's got the Shanahan kryptonite. Nine and one, and he's only allowed 20 points to a Shanahan-led offense one time. That also includes, because I know that much is made about Shanahan before he was the Niners. It's like he did have some bad teams with the Texans and the Browns. A little misleading. But, but he did beat him, I, mean, I believe, when he had the 2016 Falcons that scored like 34 points a game. Jim Schwartz, he's got the answers. Someone better make some calls. Don't want to see them in the Super Bowl, am I right? Yeah, you think an AFC team's going to go scoop up not only Jim Schwartz, but P.J. Walker <laughs> is undefeated against Shanahan? P.J. Walker is the uh, foil to Brock Purdy and Jim Schwartz, the same for Shanahan. We all have our kryptonite, Mark. <laughs> and maybe the 49ers, Brock Purdy's is PJ Walker. The 49ers have found theirs. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, 19-17, to 17, it was a bad day. 5-1, and one, the Niners are. They're still, if not the best, one of the best teams in the NFL. Uh, one of their leaders, Trent Williams, who was banged up in and out of the lineup, eventually uh, stayed in and played the rest of the game, but currently wearing a walking boot. Uh, this was what he said after the game, the 49ers kind of playing into the Browns' hands. One of the better defenses in the league. Um, they did a good job of getting us behind um, chains and early downs. And, um, you know, once you get behind against guys, you know, the pass rush they have up front, you know, you're playing into their hands. And I think that's, that's as offense – we played into their hands a bit too much to, to come out with the win. Yeah, Trent's right. I mean, it's what we talked about early on. It was the early downs that just put this Niner team behind the sticks. And then you're getting into third and eight, third and nine, even up to third and 12 situations time and time again in the second half without Christian McCaffrey, without Debo Samuel. Uh, you're going to have a really rough go of things against an elite defense on the road, in wet and windy conditions, not a lot of rain in the second half, but sh- uh, surely that field was still slick and, and, and the football was still a little bit wet. Brock Purdy had a hard time gripping the ball at times. He threw one interception. A number of other passes were wayward. One kind of slipped out of his hand and, and went for an incompletion. Another slipped out of his hand as he was kind of cocking the ball back to throw it. Went for a fumble. He recovered it. But it was just an awkward stop-and-go haphazard game for the 49ers offense, and they ultimately fall to the Cleveland Browns. I know we, we kind of joke you know, say that the sky is falling. This is a, a big deal. I mean, we knew the Niners weren't going undefeated, right? We, maybe we got ahead of ourselves talking about the, the Brock Purdy MVP campaign. I know there were some conversations out there like, wow, well, on the schedule, that's a W, that's a W, that's like – how far out can we can we get this to go all the way until the Eagles? A loss was – they weren't going undefeated. They weren't going to get to the Eagles game undefeated. This is what happens in the NFL. So I am I'm out on the, the sky is falling takes. I don't think that at all. It, I, I just wasn't expecting it to be this game playing against a third-string quarterback. No, but if you tell me that Deshaun Watson was playing in this game for the Browns, you might have believed that Cleveland had a chance. Yeah, and, and I think that points to how good the defense was. Like, for example, let me read you the down and distances for Brock Purdy to begin the second half, Uh-oh. specifically on third down. And you tell me how many quarterbacks are going to be able to pull rabbits out of their hat as consistently 
well, not as consistently as Brock did it, but in general, like how many times they're going to... All right, so first down. I'm looking at uh, the 49ers here. Third and 10. There was uh, that, that was the interception. So mm. so that one was was not great. I'm looking at third and 19. Probably not going to do much with that. <laughs> they probably ran the ball that time anyway. They probably did. Third and 20. They ran the ball there. And third and 10. And finally, i to go all the way down here. Third and 11. There was not a single of the first five drives for Brock Purdy. There was not a single third down that was third and single yardage. Third and less than 10. All of those plays are ones in which you're expecting a second-year quarterback to bail you out. And that's why I'm talking about my blame being placed at Kyle Shanahan's feet because I believe that there are situations among those five drives in which you can do something to help your signal caller not have to stare down a a, a down and distance in which the defense has nothing but pinning their ears back and manning press coverage on the outside against a team with two less all-pros than you're accustomed to. I think that Brock Purdy was in an unfair position today. That doesn't mean he's escaping criticism because he played poorly, but there were a lot of places in which I felt Kyle Shanahan could have made his job easier, and he didn't, and that's why he failed. Yeah, well said. All right, a few minutes left here on Overtime on 95-7 The Game. Something we always do at the very end of the show is hand out game balls. Uh, guys who we, we think performed their best and deserve a shout-out here at the end. A little awkward after a loss. It's been, you know, all sunny skies and, and rainbows through the first five weeks. Easy decisions for the most part. This one, I'll allow you to go anywhere you want, Evan. You could even pick a brown if you really want to. I was, to I was gonna to, say, am I allowed to not pick a 49 To give a game ball out to. I think there's a couple of Niners that deserve shout-outs. We can do it. I'll go first. I will pick a Cleveland Brown. I'm going to go Amari Cooper. Four catches, 108 yards. He mossed Mooney Ward without those catches. He also had a 58-yard completion. Without those, uh, this Browns offense is 100% one-dimensional, and they do not win this game. Uh, so my game ball goes to Amari Cooper. He was very good despite only four touches today. Well, I'll, I'll start first with the 49ers, and this is more just to give these guys credit because I think that they played their asses off today in, in tough spots. Uh, Jordan Mason is one of them. Mm-hmm. I thought he ran extremely hard in the few opportunities that he was given, and he kind of had to earn and did earn, I think, the official RB2 title with the way that Elijah Mitchell played. So Jordan Mason would be one, and the second would be the newest guy on the roster, Randy Gregory. Oh, you picked my two. Yeah, I'm Damn. sorry. Yeah, he had a big sack and a big <laughs> spot, by the way, and I thought that he played well in his few opportunities also. Uh, on the Browns side, I think it's got to be kind of a dual game ball, but Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt, mm-hmm. I think they set the tone in the run game. And then an honorary one to P.J. Walker. I know that he didn't play well, but any time that a backup quarterback has to come into a game against a vaunted team like the 49ers and made enough plays to win the game, I think you got to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, I'm with you. Those are good calls. Uh, Jerome Ford, 17 for 84. Kareem Hunt, 12 for 47. So between the two of them, they were well over 100 yards, close to, what, 140 yards on the ground between those two. Um, the Niners still have not allowed an opposing running back to get 100 yards on the ground in a single game uh, all the way back to Week 9, 2021. That's now 33 consecutive games. Um, but the 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 dual headed threat that the dual headed monster of Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt again they combine uh, for plenty eighty four and forty seven that's even without Nick Chubb who's out for the year with a gnarly knee injury from a few weeks ago so that rushing attack was really good for the Cleveland Browns. Miles oh, quickly one more yeah go ahead Grant Delpit game ball for the fact that he said earlier in the week this is the spot that you want to play the Forty Niners. 
and he was right. He was good. McLeod had seven tackles. Uh, Owosu Koromora, the linebacker, had a, a five really tackles and, and three tackles for loss. He had a sack. Miles Garrett did not have a sack but had a QB hit. He was always fearsome up the middle like he always is. Uh, a good day for the Cleveland defense, the 49ers offense, though. No answers today in Cleveland, and they fall 19-17 to is the final score. The 49ers now 5-1. and All right, that'll do it for overtime today here on 95.7 The Game. We're not done, though, for local programming today on 95.7 The Game. The Warriors in the preseason taking on the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento, a rematch from last year's playoffs. It is a 6.30 tip right here on 95.7 The Game. And then, of course, you're going to want to be locked in all day tomorrow. Spadoni with the the, uh, pregame show beginning at 5 in the morning. Bonte and Shasky on the morning rose from 6 to 10. Steiny and Goo 10 to 2. Willard and Dibbs to close up the day uh, from 2 to 6 on a monster Monday after the first 49ers loss of the season. You are not going to want to miss all of the reaction from the guys tomorrow. Should be uh, fun despite the loss for the 49ers today. One more time, 19-17, Cleveland comes out on top, and that'll do it for overtime here today. For Craig Valentino behind the glass, for Evan Giddings, my name is Mark Randy. Thanks so much for tuning in. Warriors basketball coming up in two and a half hours here on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.